Welcome to Real World Enterprise Architecture. My name is Reggie. I make my living as an enterprise architect for a multinational corporation. And on this podcast, I discuss the practical ins and outs of enterprise architecture in the real world. Back in the first episode, I introduced what I referred to as the three cornerstones of enterprise architecture. And in this episode, I want to kick off a three-part series on discussing each of those cornerstones in, in a little more depth. So just as a matter of a reminder, that three cornerstones I, I mentioned are align, and the essential purpose of enterprise architecture is to align the business of the enterprise with the technology that supports it. The second cornerstone was guide. Uh, so alignment is achieved through, achieved through guidance, reference architectures, technology roadmaps, application portfolios, standards, guidelines, that kind of thing. And in fact, uh, any manner of constraints can serve as a guide. And, and then the third cornerstone is explain. Guidance doesn't work unless it's explained to those who need to understand it. And as I said in that last episode, these cornerstones are the way I interpret the job of the enterprise architect the practice of enterprise architecture, the way I do it. Now, you're not going to read about them in a book. At least I don't think so, not in any direct sort of way. There might be shreds or pieces or glimpses of them, but these are my cornerstones. This is the way I see it. They're based on my own brand of enterprise architecture, my own philosophy on the practice of enterprise architecture which, as I explained in the last episode, is based on a school of thought that treats enterprise architecture as an integrating mechanism. Now, if you haven't listened to that episode, I I think it's worth listening to, um, as it will explain a little bit about why I think about, uh, why I think these are the right right cornerstones of enterprise architecture. So in this episode, we're going to dry it, we're going to dive headfirst into uh, the first cornerstone, and that is alignment. So I said in episode one that the essential purpose of enterprise architecture is to align. And I said that means uh, aligning the business of the enterprise with the technology that supports it. Um, In other words, the technology the enterprise uses. Well, unless you're a real expert, and and I realize that some of you might well, well be, that simple statement probably doesn't tell you much. So I want to explain what that means. In order to align things, and and I mean anything here, you have to have some system, some scheme for how to go about that alignment. So in a very general sense, if you're going to align a horizontal shelf, or or, I'm sorry, if you're going to align a shelf with a horizontal line or the horizon line, you'll probably use a level. Now, if you're going to align the suspension on a car, you'll need a basis for aligning the various suspension angles with the chassis. That's, That's the way alignment works. And if you're going to align the business to the enterprise with the technology that supports it, you'll need to have some definition of what that means. And and that's what I want to talk about. So some 30 years ago, I think it was uh, 1993, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Stephen Spiewak's book, and I think I'm pronouncing Spiewak, Spiewak, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, so I'll just say uh, Spaywalk. So Spaywalk's book, um, which was entitled Enterprise Architecture Planning, established the basic scheme for looking at an enterprise in terms of business architecture, data architecture, application architecture, and technology architecture. 
And the book also used a process, which was a very linear and prescriptive process. And in, in, in fact, I find it entirely too prescriptive. But hey, that was the early days of enterprise architecture when things moved a little slower. And even back then, I think it assumed a degree of linearity and a pace of change that, that probably wasn't valid. Anyway, uh, Spiwak also published a paper, you know, about a, a little over a decade later in 2006 with an update to the overall approach that he laid out in enterprise architecture planning. But the prescriptive process was still there, and honestly, it didn't change the basic scheme of business architecture, data architecture, application architecture, and technology architecture. Then around that same time, well, uh, you know, I think it was 2003 to be, to be a little more accurate. So a little bit, uh, you know, maybe two or three years before Spiwak, uh, published the uh, paper that uh, provided an update to his book, to his 1993 book. The Open Group established the what was the eighth version of its enterprise architecture framework, which is called TOGAF, uh, the Open Group Architecture Framework. And so TOGAF 8. Um, and it was based on the same overall scheme of business, data, application, and technology architecture. And in fact, nearly every architecture framework, whether it was the original Zachman framework, which was published in the late 80s, or the one in Spiwak's Enterprise Architecture Planning, both original and revised editions, or TOGAF, even in its latest uh, release, uh, 2018 release, which I think is 9.2 or something like that, and, and many other architecture frameworks, once you strip away the details and compare them to each other, you find the common denominator, that same common denominator of business, data, application, and technology architecture. These are the basic domains of enterprise architecture, and they form a good basis for alignment. Now, it'd be nice to deep dive each one of these, uh, but in the interest of time and, and not getting too sidetracked here, uh, I'm going to save that for a future episode, maybe more than one, probably more than one. But for now, I'll, I'll just try to summarize these domains. The business architecture domain provides a description of how the business works and what processes are used to execute the business. Now, it can do this in uh, via diagrams or textual descriptions or even detailed models, or in some cases, and in fact many, through some sort of tribal knowledge. The business architecture is, in fact, the foundation for everything. Now, that doesn't mean it's immovable, but compared to the other domains, as, as you'll see when I discuss them, it is what I call the most immovable because it represents the way the enterprise works or perhaps the way we want it to work. Okay, so the second domain is the data architecture domain. Uh, the data architecture domain provides a description of the data architecture that supports the business of the enterprise. The information the enterprise needs to function effectively and efficiently. The data architecture domain usually consists of some kinds of data models, sometimes high-level data models that are more conceptual. In fact, a, a lot of times they're, they're conceptual data models. Sometimes those models can be uh, very detailed data models that describe structure or format or how that data is governed to form the basis for data governance. Now, 
from a foundational perspective, the data architecture is second only to uh, the business architecture. That is, applications and technologies, uh, the other two domains, are there to support the data and business architecture and not the other way around. So it, it forms a basis along with the business architecture. All right. The application architecture, which is the third architecture domain, describes the application ecosystem. In other words, a collection of applications used by the enterprise, some of which are completely standalone and some of which are very highly integrated, but most of which are somewhere in between those, those two extremes. The application architecture domain includes the identification of key applications in the enterprise and how they're used. We usually don't try to be 100% comprehensive or 100% accurate because you'd be chasing your tail until, well, until you run out of life. But it does provide a good enough picture to ensure that the application architecture is aligned with the data architecture and the business architecture. And there are a number of ways the application architecture is represented. Application portfolios, interaction models, functional descriptions, the list of ways to represent the application architecture is pretty long. Uh, so whatever you do, don't get carried away, uh, or else you'll get so busy trying to capture the information that you'll lose sight of why you're doing it. Now, the application architecture is more or less subservient to the business and data architecture. And I, I said that a few minutes ago, uh, but there is a big exception to that basic rule. Sometimes we find applications that fundamentally change the way we see the business, the way we do the business, the way we execute the business. In other words, these applications are very disruptive. They disrupt business and data architecture uh, in an important way. Uh, also, sometimes we find applications that innovate or optimize the business. So not necessarily disruptive, but optimizing uh, in a way we hadn't anticipated. And they too have a disruptive effect on the business and data architecture. In other words, those architectures have to be adjusted to deal with this. So both of these disruptive cases have to be considered. They have to be evaluated in a broader enterprise context. And sometimes business and data architectures have to be adjusted to accommodate them. And so the last architecture domain, the technology architecture domain, describes technologies on which other domains depend but primarily data and application architecture because those are, those are technical things. They're technical uh, digital representations that have to rest on something, and that's the technology architecture. We're talking about things like hosting, networks, platforms, security, etc. The foundational technologies on which application and data architectures rest. These need to support the other architecture's domains. But like applications, and sometimes even more so than applications, technologies have a tendency to disrupt the entire stack above them. Sometimes technologies present incredible, incredible opportunities for cost savings or speed or agility, but these can only be realized when the other domains take advantage of the opportunity presented by these technologies. So cloud is a really good example of this. Everything above the technology stack, when I think of it as above, I'm, I'm thinking of it in terms of, you know, sort of that, that, that hierarchy because, you know, business is at the top of the hierarchy. So applications, data, and business 
have to be adjusted to take advantage of cloud technologies. And anybody that's um, tried to pivot or, or pivot to cloud or adjust their architecture to take advantage of cloud technologies understands that it's is not something you can just take off of an internal uh, server and put in the cloud. It doesn't work that way. The um, applications, data, and business even have to be adjusted to take advantage of cloud technologies. So I hope you're starting to get a sense for what I'm talking about when I say alignment. So each of these architecture domains have to be aligned with each other and elements within the domain have to be also aligned uh, with the other elements in the domain. So how do we do this? How exactly do we use these domains to align the business of the enterprise with the technology that supports it in the most general sense? Well, I suspect you've heard the saying that perfect is the enemy of good enough. Well, that's a pretty good way to look at this alignment problem because there are two basic ways to go about uh, alignment. Tightly coupled and loosely coupled, that's how, that's how I think of them anyway. Using a tightly coupled approach, we, we create detailed models for all aspects of the enterprise and detail out the interactions and the functions, not just between the domains, business, data, applications, and technology, but also um, between architecture elements within each of those domains. A tightly coupled approach like this necessarily assumes that the enterprise is a closed system. And we can control the scope, the interactions, the inputs, the outputs. And as you might guess, this is kind of problematic because an enterprise really isn't a closed system. It's a living, breathing, open system. A tightly coupled approach is really an attempt to pursue what I think of as enterprise architecture perfection. And it really is, folks, an exercise in futility. So what's the other approach? What's the alternative? Well, it is a loosely coupled approach. It is what I would describe as a good enough approach, where we accept the fact that we cannot create detailed models of the entire enterprise, and we focus on providing guidance. Uh, we do this through the use of reference architectures, technology roadmaps, capability portfolios, application portfolios, interoperability standards, guardrails, and the like. This loosely coupled approach allows us to align architecture elements at the edges in areas where the elements relate to each other, but it eases the burden of trying to overmanage the alignment. So it's not tightly coupled, it's loosely coupled. But how do we provide this guidance? Well, that's what we're gonna cover in the next episode. Well, that's it for now. So get out there and have yourself a good day. And remember, people are people and the world is a messy place. So don't be afraid to get a little dirty.